I don't have any slides today. And so I just want you to listen. Okay? Uh, you can open your Bibles as we turn to things or open your uh, Bible app. But I just want you to listen. Uh, if I'm just being honest, I didn't really want to be here today. Yeah. This church has seen too much grief. Too much. Our pastor friends uh, are astonished at the amount of grief that our little church has had to endure over the last... Uh, since 2018, three years. And so uh, I really didn't want to get out of bed today. And I really didn't want to come. I didn't really want to do this. That's part of the role of being shepherd as you lead through the hard times too. Oh, and my house flooded. So there's that. Uh, our elders have talked about, uh, we believe that the Lord is doing a work here at Refuge. Uh, it is really beginning to refine and call people to himself and call us to something more than what we've been and, and to follow him earnestly. Uh, and we know that in that there will be spiritual attacks. There will be our enemy in at high gear uh, when we begin to do those kind of things. And we believe that we see those things because you can't. Uh, uh, it's just hard to believe that in the midst of a great tragedy of David Barkley's sudden death, uh, that my house floods. Uh, so that you can't tell me those things aren't uh, somehow tied to the work of our enemy trying to just continue to uh, sock us in the gut. Anyway, we're here, and, uh, and we're going to worship the Lord, but I want you to listen. Psalm 23, um, just listen to what it says. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. You know what that means? Familiarity, for those of you who don't know what that means, it means we can become so familiar with things that we disregard it. That we just quit listening. We quit taking it in. We uh, just dismiss it. And so many times that can happen to us when we hear something that's familiar, like the 23rd Psalm. But rather than dismiss it today, rather than turning us off if you're at home, listen the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want I have no need for want I have no need for anything else because the Lord is my shepherd he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. 
he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You hear what the psalmist is saying? It is the Lord. If we will follow our shepherd, which is what sheep do, which if, you're, if we're Christians, that's what we're described as, and Jesus is our good shepherd, that if we'll follow our shepherd, then he leads us into green pastures where there's plenty. He leads us beside still waters that are calming. He leads us or he restores our soul in times like this. Psalmist goes on to say that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So it means that we'll walk there. We walk there regularly, refuge. Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. The Lord is with you. Listen. The Lord is with you. The Lord's rod and his staff, they comfort us. What does that mean? It's, it's, it's how they, the, the shepherds controlled the, the flocks that as, the, as they walked away or to keep them on the path. Their rod and their staff, they know that the shepherd is there. Even in the hard times, even in the valley of the shadow of death. We can feel his comforting hands. Nope, keep going. Go this way. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Keep going. Yes, I know you're in the valley of the shadow of death. I brought you here. But I am with you. You don't have to fear. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. This is one of my favorite visuals that that's the psalmist in 23 talks about. That in the presence of our enemies, the Lord prepares a table. Which means, as if you were all my enemies, he would set a table here in front of you, and I would sit down, and I would eat a bountiful feast in front of my enemies. That's how much my great shepherd cares for me. That's how much the good shepherd cares for you. Even though you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He says, now I'm going to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. And you're going to feast as they watch you feast. You anoint my head with oil. That's healing. Scripture talks about anointing your head with oil. That is healing oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even in the darkest days, these things are sure. Even in the trying of times, we sit and eat a feast in the presence of our enemies and goodness and mercy are ours from the Lord let me pray before we continue
Lord, even as the rain falls upon us today, we see rain as a good thing from our good God. A God who doesn't forget us. A God who knows we need nourishing. And a God who knows we need refreshing. So do that for this church family. Now God, do that uh, for Sandra. For David's parents. For his children. We need you. Today and always. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so I'm going to, I don't really know why the Lord brought me here. I didn't know at the beginning uh, in the text that I'm going to read to you today, because that's all I'm going to do is read the text to you today. Uh, if you want to follow, I'm actually going to be reading from the, from the New Living Translation, from the Living Bible, because I love the beautiful language that it does in the text today. So if you've got a device and you want to follow along, I'm going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, and I just want you to listen and take it in, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, this is what Paul wrote to them. It is God himself in his mercy who has given us this wonderful work of telling his good news to others. And so we never give up. So let, let me just read that again. It is God himself in his mercy who has given us this wonderful work of telling the good news to others and so we never give up. Um, there's been some times I just wanted to give up. tired uh, tired of fighting tired of seeing all this happen tired of having to uh, go through the next funeral tired of uh, preaching your guts out and just watching nothing seem to happen. And so there's times that uh, we preachers just want to give up. Preachers give up a lot. They just go, I just can't do this anymore. And they go to sell insurance or boxes or something. But Paul says... God has given us this work in his mercy to tell the good news to others and so we never give up. Um, Romans chapter 9 uh, reminds us of this. I'm going to read this too. Uh, Romans chapter 9, which is one of the probably greatest chapters in the Bible. Paul writes this, and I'll read this beginning in verse 9. He says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... 
and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For, the one heart believe, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one is confesses and is saved. And so that's what we want people to do. We want people to, to believe that Jesus is their only hope. Paul goes on to say, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Um, man, we just take great solace in that today. Uh, as we mourn the loss of David Barclay. We don't mourn as people with no hope. Uh, because we got to watch this happen. We got to watch David Barclay become a Christian. We got to watch uh, an avowed atheist. That's what he told me when I met him. Hey preacher, I'm David. I'm an atheist. I don't believe anything you believe. Okay, can we be friends? <laughs> and we were friends. And nine years later, God saved him. And so for you, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you've walked in, I know preachers hear it all the time, that people think that they are too bad to be saved. You've done too much. You've uh, cursed the name of the Lord. You've... Uh, you've done way too much things to think that God would ever love you or save you. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. Because the truth is uh, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. None of us are worthy of being saved. You can't out the grace of God. And so that salvation is for you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul goes on and says, how then will they call on him if they've never believed? And how do they believe in him who they've never heard? And how do they hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? And as it's written, how beautiful the feet who preach the good news, but they've not obeyed the gospel. But faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's why we preach the gospel here every week. Because God takes people, just regular dudes like me and regular people like you and me and says if you preach the good news the gospel, the Spirit uses it to save people. It's that simple. Back to Paul in 2 Corinthians. We never give up. Listen. We never give up. We don't give up on people. Paul goes on and says this, verse 2. We don't try to trick people in believing. We're not interested in fooling anyone. We never try to get anyone to believe that the Bible teaches what it doesn't. We're not here to flower it up. We're just here to tell you what the Bible says. Paul says, all such shameful methods, we forego. We don't do them. We, again, it's why we preach the gospel every week here, because there's not another method by which people come to know Jesus. All, Paul says, all of the foolish methods like that, we just don't do them. 
We stand in the presence of God as we speak. And so we tell the truth all as all who know us will agree. Verse 3 says, and this is important, listen. Some of you have family members, uh, friends, and uh, co-workers or people that you love dearly and you go, man, they just don't believe. They're angry. They're, they're combative to the gospel. They're, they, they make fun of me. Paul talks about this in verse 3. If the good news we preach is hidden to anyone, it is hidden from the one who is on the road to eternal death. Satan, who is the god of this evil world, has made him blind and unable to see the glorious light of the gospel that is shining upon him uh, or, or to, that is shining upon him, or to understand the amazing message which we preach about the glory of Christ, who is God. Do you have a friend? Do you have a family member? Do you have someone that you love that you want to see earnestly come to know Jesus? Keep preaching the gospel. Keep telling them about Jesus. Keep praying for them because the scripture tells us that they are blinded to the gospel. The thing that when they make fun of you or they disregard you or they tell you to go away or whatever, they are blinded to this gospel. They're unable to see the glorious light of the gospel. But keep preaching Jesus. Paul says, we don't go around preaching about ourselves, but about Christ Jesus and his Lord. We say, all we say of ourselves is that we are your slaves because of what Jesus has done for us. He says, we're going to become slaves to people that don't know Jesus. Okay? We're going to become slaves to people that don't know Jesus. We'll do anything that they need for us to do because we want them to know Jesus. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made us understand that it is brightness of his glory that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. Listen, verse 7. But this precious treasure, this light and power that now shines within us is held in a perishable container. See what he's saying? That is, in our weak bodies. He says, this glorious message of the gospel is contained in me and you who are perishing. That you, if a, as a Christian, are the carrier of the gospel, even though your body's going to just die one day. Everyone can see that the glorious power within must be from God and is not our own. This is a message that's done, that we're just not making up on our own. That everyone can see that this is the power of the Holy Spirit of God that is con cajoling us to continue on. Paul says this in verse 8, and it's very poignant to us. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We've all got troubles. You have troubles. I have troubles. We're pressed on every side. It seems like the walls sometimes are coming in on top of us. It seems like there's no place to go, that we can hardly breathe sometimes. But we're not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. Man, some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. 
we stand here and we sit here on a week like today and, and we talk about the death of our dear friend David Barkley, we don't know why things happen as they do. There's no good answer to that. Like, there, there's no logical good answer to why a guy that had moved from death to life, who's such an influential person, full of life and vigor, there's no reasonable explanation to why that things happen as they do. And Paul says it right here. But we don't give up and quit. We don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and we keep going. These bodies of ours are constantly facing death just as Jesus did. So it's clear to all that it is only the living Christ within us who keeps us safe. Paul talks about this in verse 11. He says, yes, we live under constant danger to our lives because we serve the Lord. And so Paul lived in a real danger zone for himself because he was proclaiming Jesus and his life was literally in danger regularly because he's preached the gospel. And so that's what he's talking about in verse 11, because we serve the Lord. But this does... This gives us constant opportunities to show forth the power of Jesus Christ within our dying bodies because our preaching because of our preaching we face death but it has resulted in eternal life. Paul said, "Man, every day I'm under the threat of death." But because I'm preaching, and even though people are threatening me, people are coming to know Jesus. And people's eternities are changed because the gospel is continuing to be proclaimed. That's what happens here. We preach the gospel regularly, online. People see it around the world, and people come to know Jesus. Eternal life Become, comes to people because we proclaim. That's the way God chooses to use people. God saves people. We just herald it. Verse 13, Paul says, we boldly say what we believe, trusting God to care for us. Just as the psalm writer said when he said, I believe and therefore I speak, we know that the same God who brought the Lord Jesus back from death will also bring us back to life again with Jesus and present us to him along with you. That's the hope we have as Christians. In a time of death, whenever we go, I don't understand why our loved one has died. I don't understand why that we have to endure, continue to endure such sorrow and grief as a people and as a family and as friends. Why do we have to keep doing this over and over again? Paul writes, we know that the same God who brought Jesus back from death, that we celebrate the capstone of our Christianity will also bring us back to life again with Jesus and present us along with him to you. Amen. These sufferings of ours are for your benefit. And the more of you who are one to Christ, more, the more there are to thank him for his great kindness and the more the Lord is glorified. You hear what he said? 
the more of you who are one to Christ, the more there are to thank him for his great kindness, and the more the Lord is glorified. Who around you needs to know Jesus? You'll be glorified in your sharing the gospel with them and him saving them. Do you see that? He is glorified. Whenever we just, the people that he brings to us, that we share the gospel with, and he saves, not that we talk into something, but that he chooses to save. Verse 16 is one that I've circled. And I love the way it says it in the New Living Translation. That is why we never give up. why we never give up on the days that I want to quit you know why I never give up because God uses the folly of preaching to save people God uses really just stupid idiotic jacked up people like me to stand in a pulpit and proclaim the good news of the gospel and he saves people and he does the same thing with you foolish people He takes your foolish, stumbling words and uses them to save people. That's crazy. But he does it. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. Even though we're dying, we're wasting away. I see it happening regularly. Even though we're dying, the Lord is, our inner strength is growing because of the Lord every day. Verse 17, these troubles and sufferings of ours after all are, after all, quite small and won't last very long. They just won't last very long. No matter what our troubles are, they won't last very long. I'm going to get a kidney one day. One day we're going to do it. Those people. My house is going to get renovated because it flooded. This won't last very long. I told people this was Carol's plan all along. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessing upon us forever and ever. So, we do not look at what we can't see right now. There's a spiritual world that happens that we just cannot see. It's always at work. We have an enemy and we have a friend in Jesus not an enemy in Jesus, we have an enemy in Satan, and we have a friend in Jesus, okay? Just... So we have an enemy over here, <laughs> and we have a friend in Jesus, and there's a spiritual battle that goes on regularly around you, around us, that we just don't see. And that's what Paul says. He says, we do not look at what we can see right now. The troubles all around us But we look forward to the joys in heaven which we have not yet seen. The troubles will soon be over. 
but the joy to come will last forever. All goes on in chapter 5. He says this. For we know that when this tent, for we know that when this tent we live in now is taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have wonderful new bodies in heaven. Homes that will be ours forevermore, made for us by God himself and not by human hands. How weary we grow of our present bodies. Amen. That's why we look forward eagerly to the day when we shall have heavenly bodies that we shall put on like new clothes. For we shall not be merely spirits without bodies. These earthly bodies may groan and sigh, but we wouldn't like to think of dying and have no bodies at all. We want to slip into our new bodies so that these dying bodies will, as it were, be swallowed up by everlasting life. This is what God has prepared for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And just in case you wondered if all this is true, he's written an IOU and put the Spirit within us. That's what Paul says. Amen. Verse 6. Uh, this is uh, the New Living Translation verbiage of what um, I have on... Jerry's footstone at her gravesite. Now we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies, realizing that every moment we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. We know that these things are true by believing, not by seeing, and we are not afraid, but quite content to die, for then we will be at home with the Lord. We just don't have to be afraid of that. And we can take confidence even in our grief of times like this whenever we grieve our friend. And we continue to do that for three years when we grieve our friends that they are at home with the Lord. Paul goes on to say, so our aim is to please him always in everything we do, whether we're here in the body or away from the body and with him in heaven. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged and have our lives laid bare before him. Each one of us will receive what he deserves for the good or bad things he's done in this earthly body. It is because of this solemn fear of the Lord, which is ever present in our minds, that we work so hard to win others. You think Paul thinks this is important? that we work so hard to win others for this glorious crown that comes, for the life that is out there, that is available to all who repent and believe. It's why we work so hard to win others. I've told people what a 
devastating time this would be in the death of our friend David Barclay if he had not come to know Jesus. A man that we spent a decade with loving and caring for who claimed regularly that he did not believe because he didn't believe and that he wanted to believe he just couldn't believe. And just years of that, of us praying for him and hoping for him and begging the Lord to save him and believing the Lord to save him. What a devastating day today would be if we knew that had he not come to know Jesus, right? Crushing. It's different for him today because we can rejoice in our sufferings for him because he knew Jesus because there's no doubt. There's ever anybody that I believe trusted Jesus. It's the guy that I said when we stood in the baptism, I said, do you believe that Jesus is God the son? And he says, yes. But there's other people that you know And I know that face this same dilemma that to die in their sins will be a crushing, eternal blow for them. We need to tell them about Jesus, beg them to believe, so that when their time comes like this too, we too can rejoice with them. We work so hard to win others. God knows our hearts, that they are pure in this matter. And I hope that deep within, you really know it too. Paul says, are we trying to pat ourselves on the back again? No, I'm giving you some good ammunition. You can use this on those those preachers of yours who brag about how they look and preach but don't have true and honest hearts. You can boast about that we at least are well-intentioned and honest. Paul said, all we want is for people to know Jesus. We don't care about anything else. Verse 13, are we insane to say such things about ourselves? If so, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for you to believe. Listen, this is what he says. Whatever we do, it is certainly not for our own profit, but because Christ's love controls us now. Since we believe that Christ died for all of us, we should also believe that we have died to the old self we used to live. Now Paul's saying, hey, if we believe that this is really true, then our old selves are called to die. This is for you now, church, that he believes that if we believe this is true, our old selves are to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Verse 15, he died for all so that all who live, having received eternal life for him, might no longer live for themselves to please themselves, but to spend their lives pleasing Christ who died and rose again for them. And then he says this, listen, so stop evaluating Christians by what the world thinks about them or what they might seem like on the outside. He says, Stop judging Christians necessarily about what you see on the outside. They're humans just like you are. They're going to do really dumb, stupid stuff. So stop judging them by what they necessarily do on the outside. But then he says this. Listen, this is important. Once I mistakenly thought of Christ that way, merely as a human like myself. Paul said... I thought of Jesus in that same way and I judged him by what I thought he was doing externally and I judged him because of that. The son of God, God the son, God in the flesh. 
He said, don't do that. How differently I feel now, Paul says. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. And it's not the same anymore. A new life has begun, okay? It started. It will begin to change. It will begin to look different. And now, this is for all of you. All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. Paul's saying, we can't be in right relationship with God unless we trust what Christ did, what Jesus has done. Not any good works of ourselves, not any religious rituals, not anything that your mom and daddy might have taught you, your grandma might have said, unless it's talking to believe the gospel. He says, through what Christ Jesus did, his death, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, we trust in that alone for our salvation, that Jesus is the only one who can forgive our sins. Jesus is the only one who can give us righteousness. That's what he goes on to say. And God himself has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. It's not just for preachers. Urge your friends. They might not be my friend anymore, Scott, if I tell them about Jesus. Take that chance. Affect their eternity by the power of the Holy Spirit that guides you into that. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. Listen, this is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. Someone who goes ahead of the king and heralds the king and tells about the king and that the king is coming. That's what an ambassador would go and do. I have a message from the king. We are his ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the love he offers you. Be reconciled to God. God took the sinless Christ. Listen, with this I'm going to be done. God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. Then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. That's the beauty of the gospel message. When we trust Jesus, that's what happens. God took this, takes the sinless Christ and pours our sin into him. And in exchange, he pours all that righteousness into us. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be a Christian. It's not that we just believe rightly, but that really we have trusted that we need Jesus' righteousness. There's no heart God cannot conquer. There's no life that God cannot change. There's no past he cannot forgive. 
we saw it happen. Live and up close. We'd celebrate with you if we saw it happen in you. If you're not a Christian, or you don't know if you're a Christian or not, or you don't know what it means to be a Christian, let today be your day of salvation. Let today be the day that you are reconciled to God in Christ Jesus. Christians, let today be the day that you go, I am an ambassador for Christ. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I will live the rest of my days being that ambassador. We're going to invite you, I'm going to pray, and we're going to invite you to come down those of you who might not know Jesus yet, I'm actually going to stand right here, old school today. I'm going to stand as the band comes, and we're going to invite you to come to Jesus. Someone here who's outside the household of faith, someone who has played church, someone who has said they're a Christian maybe, and you don't know what it is, but you, don't know, you know that you, the Spirit of God doesn't live in you. You're not sure that if today was your day that you would be absent from the body and present with the Lord. We're going to invite you to come to know Jesus today. I'll be standing right here waiting for you. Let's pray. God, we love you. Holy Spirit, I'm thankful for you to be the comforter in our time of great trials. Jesus, I'm thankful that you literally shed your blood and gave your body to cover our sin debt that you've made a way. You are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness that we've proclaimed already. We believe that's who you are. So do a good work today, God. God of all comfort and peace. Bring peace to those who are troubled today. Bring peace to those who are at odds with you today. Open the eyes of those who have been blinded by our enemy today so that they may know you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.